0: Hello and welcome back to SPO's new podcast, All My Life, where we take deep dives into lifelong discipleship. My name is Emma. I'm one of your hosts.
1: And I'm Ryan.
0: Man, Ryan, that song gets me every time. I, I swear my name is in it.
1: It is. I can
0: hear it. Yeah. It's like Emma. it's like a little call out every time. Emma, Yeah.
1: If you listen closely, it's there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Emma. Yeah. This is super great. Guess mm-hmm. who's here?
0: Is it Justin Bieber?
1: It is. <laughs> it is. Justin Bieber. So you are in Japan because sometimes- Well, it's Johnny. J- oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. Johnny, Johnny Verba. Verba. Johnny Verba. Johnny, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Dude, it is great to have you here. Um, maybe we'll talk about the time that there were there were people in in another country who mistook you, mistook you for uh, Justin Bieber. Indeed. But before we get there, you don't have as much hair today on your head. The only hair you have left on your head are eyebrows
0: or your mustache.
1: Yeah, there was a mustache the last time we saw you. There was a full head of hair. Um, what what happened? <laughs>
2: February 24th, 2020, I sailed on the most catastrophic voyage of semester at sea in history. This is a study abroad program on a cruise ship. So it's basically like Sweet Life, Zach and Cody. The dream. (laughs) There's a tradition in like maritime law and Navy vessels where you cross the equator and you basically get hazed. You get fish thrown at you, slapped at you. You get a fire hose on your stomach. They can't do that in a school program. So instead, they dump a bucket of slime at Nickelodeon. They have us kiss, kiss a dead fish. Optional, of course. Yeah, <laughs> And then you shave your head. Also optional. A couple ladies did it, which was pretty bold because that's three to four year commitment, obviously. I also had really cool hair that's at the true. time. I had frosted tips.
1: Yeah, you did. Of course you did.
2: Ooh. I had just dyed my hair blonde and um, I shaved my head. There was this guy who had never said the name of Jesus before. I wasn't really in my conversion at the time, and I didn't want to do it. People were screaming my name. Herbert said, hey, did you ask Jesus if he cares what you look like? And he says that comment, and I go, oh, no, he definitely doesn't. I'm going to shave my head right now and get rid of the attachment to my looks. Stop, you know, fixing my hair and my phone reflection, all that stuff. And it was so liberating for me.
1: So, so that was on February 24, 2020. Have, have you shaved your head since? Is that like something... Like, you did it February 24th, 2023. Have That's you right. done that since?
2: Yeah, so this year is my fourth time. So 2020, and now 23. So I'll shave <laughs> it every single year for the rest of my life on that date. In remembrance and in, uh, also in penance for Lent. It happens to be the first Good Friday of Lent every year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. What? You said it was liberating. Yeah. What was liberating about it?
2: I realized... The the reason I didn't want to shave my head was simply because I didn't want to look like an egg.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because wait, yeah. wait, you said. Okay, okay.
2: Simple. And why did I not want You wanna... <laughs> thought
1: I'm like wait wait wait. Did you really think I am going to look like an egg?
2: Yeah, like egg head. I didn't want to be bald. And the reason yeah. I didn't want to be bald is because I didn't want the girls to see me bald. And the reason I want them to see me bald is cuz I I liked the girls. I wanted them to like me and I thought that I would be, you know, less attract and I like I was I liked regardless of what they thought it was about this position of my heart and I liked my hair I was attached to it yeah. mm. and so I had to you know if your head gets too big shave it and that's kind of what happened mm. at the time I had no mustache but now I've since had a mustache and so that goes with it too
1: have you ever thought about shaving your eyebrows
2: yes that happened uh it did not happen any of the years but it'd be bad for mission and nothing that's bad for mission <laughs> I can't do so mm. you can't have a missionary walking up to you that'd with be eyebrows. reasonable yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> that's that's totally fair that's a cool story know. yeah Thanks wow. for asking, but me it was just that. on a, like a like a, like a moment's notice. You kind of made that decision. Everybody's doing it. You're like, I'm in, or did you have some time to think about it? You just went for it.
2: I'm glad you asked. This is kind of the most crucial part of the story that I kind of left out. If a group of people, usually more than one, are screaming my name to do something, there is a ten out of ten chance, Ryan, that I'm going to do that thing. Mm. Whatever it is, that's led me to a lot of sin in my college years, as you can imagine. I was going to say, that sounds like that could be a good <laughs> a thing or a bad yeah. thing. can be both. Yeah. And in this chance, it was not a good or bad thing. It was just something that, shave your head. Uh, me being someone who loves attention, me not wanting to do that thing was very bizarre. So there was something deeper. Hmm. They're wow. chanting, Johnny, Johnny, and I walked away from it. And so I had these moments of going back and forth. And finally, that's when Herbert said, hey, man, if you ask Jesus, out of nowhere, we had never talked about <sighs> And then his name mm-hmm. is actually what got me thinking, whoa, he's really all I'm trying to impress. And like he's, Jesus is who I'm trying to live my life for mm-hmm. if I had faith. And at that time, that was like the start of my conversion. Crazy. So
1: you resisted like the chance initially. Yes. That was hard.
2: Yes, that was hard because I wanted to give in. But if I gave in, then I would regret, oh, I don't have my hair now. Now girls can't pull my hair. Girls can't do this, whatever, you know? Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Dude, Such a, I've
0: never heard a start to a conversion story like that.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was glorious. This old man John was was shaky. He's ricky. He's going through. I'm like, Jack, get get somebody else in here. So we got a younger person shave my head. He was going to saw my head. I was <laughs> it was scary. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sub him out. But
1: that is amazing. Yeah, oh, that's cool.
2: Um, my mom hates what I do. Every single year, she's like, Johnny, this year, I'll give you more in your you know, your mutual funds, whatever you need. Just please <laughs> don't, just don't shave your head. <laughs> Sorry, mom.
1: So is it true that Whether you're, if you're scuba diving or you're sleeping, is the only time you'd go an hour without talking.
2: Yes, this is true.
1: Have you ever, okay, this week, we're going to, that needs to be different. This week, can you, what what do we got to do?
2: I agree. Even in prayer, I'm kind of mumbling my prayers under my breath. I like to say things aloud just to know that it helps me not get distracted.
1: Are you extroverted? Yes. That was a joke. Of course you are. (laughs) No, yes. but no, say like, really, like you, you really don't, you haven't experienced like say a full hour of silence when you're not scuba, if you're not scuba diving or sleeping.
2: Yeah. Or if we're praying, if we're in mass, you're never silent for an hour. If I'm listening to mm-hmm. a talk, I'm kind of interjecting. I'm, I'm like laughing. There's always something coming out of my, mm. it's never just breath. Mm. And when you're scuba diving, you have the regulator in and, and all this and that you cannot uh, talk at all. And I think that's really mm. the only time for an hour or more that I'm silent.
1: So what do you love about, so what do you learn, what did you learn about yourself when you're scuba diving and you didn't talk for an hour?
0: Or make noise, yeah.
2: I learned that we can communicate, well, it's true what they say about nonverbal communication that you speak, whatever the percentage is, I'm going to butcher it now, but, It's more than your verbal speaking. If I'm talking to you on stage, like the audio doesn't match the the video if you're speaking and you're excited about something, but your face isn't changing, then you're not excited. And so that was one thing just by not talking and having my thoughts to myself. But really scuba diving is also a very slow activity. And so I'm moving very slowly. We're we're swimming Mm -hmm. slowly. Every movement, every adjustment of your buoyancy is all done slow. Nothing is done quickly. And everything above the surface for me on land is just like jittery, fast twitch, Mm -hmm. you know, all over the place. It's very nice to slow down. And usually the rest of the day after I finish a scuba dive or multiple, I am so relaxed. And it makes no sense because I'm in an environment that's not meant for me. We're not meant to do that. We see the fish Mm -hmm. swimming around so effortlessly. And it makes us think. What
1: would it take this week? Where would you go? What would you do to spend 61 minutes in silence.
2: The dream would be to go in an ice shanty by myself and ice fish so silently to myself. I'd love to
1: do that. So you, would, you, would it need to be something active like that? You couldn't just go into a church. You're, you're like wincing, like, oh,
2: I don't know, that'd be tough, <laughs> right? Maybe an hour of adoration. I don't I know. Even then, for our nightly, from, we cut the night, some of the guys in the house from 3 to 4 a.m. every other Thursday. Or, or once a month, some regularity like that, and that still gets interrupted by people coming in and out, and we'll, we'll greet like just even any little whisper. I guess that's not super important, but yeah, yeah. I, I think I could do that in in church.
1: Would you? Re, would you? Hmm. Would you share? I'd love for you to hear back. Like, let us know how that goes. Yeah,
2: I will. Wow, it's a great insight. I'll do that. That's
0: cool. Do you scuba dive a lot? Is it?
2: I've been on about thirteen dives, and wow. that's my favorite activity. I would love to go on more scuba dives.
0: Was that a lot of that semester at Sea that you did that, or was it other?
2: Um, Only three were on the semester at sea, but the majority were before, with on family vacations.
1: What's the most beautiful place you've seen, or what's the most beautiful thing you've seen during a dive?
2: We were off the coast of Mauritius, which is the smallest African country. It's also an yeah. island yeah. by it's Madagascar.
0: By yeah. Yeah. There was a guy at Seton Hall when I was a missionary there who was from there, Anthony.
2: Anthony from Mauritius? Yeah. <laughs> I've never met anyone from Mauritius. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It is. He was yeah. involved there. Mark Twain is quoted by saying, God made Mauritius, and then he made heaven after Mauritius. Mauritius is that beautiful. It has underwater waterfalls. We didn't scuba dive there because there's actually wow. water flowing off this underwater. It's beautiful. The coolest thing I saw was a sea of manta rays, and there were hundreds of them all above us, and we were rising. It was the end of our dive. We had turned our dive, meaning the halfway point was over, and we were coming up, And we just looked up and the sun blotted out, but not in like a arrows type of 300 movie way in a beautiful manta ray, flowy, and it just casted shadows all over us. And then we finished the surface and it was just cool to see schools of larger fish. You see schools of tiny fish, but the big ones take up a lot of space and you realize how many animals like moving things has God created on this earth? Trillions. Wow.
1: Looking back on your life, what's what's the most impactful commitment you've made in your life?
2: That is a great question. The most impactful commitment that I've made in my life was to do household my first my first round my junior year uh, of college at Arizona State. That was the most impactful commitment that. I've made up to this point in my life and maybe forever that changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. Forever. Oh, I was on semester at sea before semester at sea. I just met the missionaries. Jeff Kroc invites me a missionary at the time says you should do household. I say, no, it's too extreme of a jump from the fraternity house to the SPO house. Yeah. Then I sail on semester at sea day 66 happens. CDC declares pandemic. Tr- President Trump at the time is like you can't fly here. We're all stressing out. My relationships on the ship, particularly with women, are, are blowing up, and I realized that the weight I was supposed to put on God's shoulders, I put on the ship, and it basically sank her. It sank the ship. And that day, I called Jeff Croc from a landline in my room, and I was like, "I want a spot in that house." <laughs> and uh, of course, I got his voicemail. We're on the opposite sides of the world, and then I joined the house.
1: So take us spot. Okay, so yeah, that is I know, like I want
0: the backstory. Twenty.
1: So what? What day is that?
2: March tenth, two thousand twenty. Yeah, the whole
1: world is about to erupt. Yes, with with COVID, everything's shutting mm-hmm. down. Everything's Correct. locking down. You are where in the world on that date?
2: We had just left Mauritius. We're heading okay south towards South Africa.
1: Okay, and so this global pandemic is about to emerge. It's it's happening. So then, what happens to semester? You're on this. You began when you 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 left Port when.
2: January 6th, 2020. Right. So we were sailing towards China before it broke out. And then the two days before it broke out, we thankfully diverted. If we would have landed in China or ported there, our whole semester at sea would have been over. But thankfully we didn't and we audibled to Vietnam, which didn't have any virus at the time.
1: Okay. So then you were able to continue.
2: So we were able to continue for three months. It was supposed to go for 110 days. And then what your question was, we ended in South Africa and we all flew home. Wow. We are supposed to make it up to Amsterdam, all the way up.
1: But you kind of mm-hmm. turned around. You went to Vietnam, and then you came back to?
2: We went to Vietnam, sailed across the Indian Ocean, along the equator. Some of us got fried. The Irish people, you should have seen them. They were just destroyed. Third-degree burns. Yeah. The Sicilians got really tan. And then we went straight down to Mauritius, and then Mauritius is pretty close to South Africa. Wow.
1: And then you flew home? Yes. From, that wasn't, that wasn't mm-hmm. the original plan?
2: No, correct. No.
1: So then, okay, so- We ended
2: up uh, a completely different continent. Crazy.
1: So then what why did why did you call so you are a student at Arizona State University at that time? Correct. You're now a missionary with SPO. This is your first year. That is correct. Welcome to staff. Thank you so you much. You serve at University of St. Thomas.
2: I do. It is an absolute joy and a pleasure. No, no. Well, that's that awesome.
1: So then why did you call Jeff Croc that day? And because so, he's he's a missionary with SPO. He's yeah. in the household. Yep. Why 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 was the call to him?
2: He was the one that had invited me and I guess when I told him no, in my heart of hearts, I would say that I was still thinking about it. That In some dream land, if I were to have an experience, as I did on Semester at Sea, I could call him back and still get that spot. But truthfully, like on paper, I'd forfeited my spot. I told him, no, don't reserve a spot for me. I'm out. And then the reason I called him back was because he was the one I owed like an answer to. If I was going to get involved in the house, that's who I was going to call. And the reason I called him was because the Lord gifted me with an experience that I'm I'm so forever grateful for. Not many people have experienced it, but basically it was gone before it came and it was like every single thing in my body, every yearning or like longing or desiring. It's like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you go for that glass of water. J.P. Bagul is a coined term called night water and it just quenches your thirst and it's like the best water ever. It was like night water, but for every desire, every longing. And it was all quenched in a moment. And then of course I was, back to normal and like the longings came and I realized that that was like a glimpse of heaven that was that was God I'm not on psychedelics I'm completely sober just washed over me and the only thing I knew the reason I knew is God is because the only thing I knew when it had passed was that I was loved and knowing that you're loved changes everything every single decision that you make how you react to circumstances and so my reaction was to go buy a calling card for 40 bucks type in this crazy landline thing. And there's only four outgoing calls on the ship at any time. So I had to keep pressing in the type code 27, 28 times to get to Jeff Kroc to go through. And of course, I got his voicemail expecting that. It's the happiest <laughs> I've ever been to get somebody's voicemail. Yeah. Crazy. Left him the voicemail.
1: So were you able to move in wow. when you got back? And then or, I got, or was this like fall?
2: This was the spring. And then I got back and it was summertime, COVID summer. And then I moved in the next fall semester yeah. with 14 strangers. Because okay. Jeff moved away. To discern the Brotherhood in Florida. So I was just left with JP, only person I knew.
1: So why was that commitment? I mean, that's an incredible kind of getting you to that moment. You're on the mm-hmm. you're halfway around the world, you have this transformative experience of God, his love, and moving you towards choosing this. Why why was that commitment so impactful?
2: Sure. I think that commitment was so impactful because I didn't think I could do it. And in fact, I knew I could not do the commitments of household. Should I mention the commitments of household? Do it. We had, you know, morning prayer commitments. We were all around the table at 610 every single day, Monday through Thursday. We had household dinners two times a week. We had formation. We had small group, which were separate things. Lord's days on every other Saturday. Other commitments, just being around the house. Chores. Mm -hmm. The fraternity had a lot of these commitments like chapter and like chores as well. But as you can imagine, those really didn't get accomplished. These were hard and fast commitments. So I went from having zero commitments to over a dozen hours of committed things in my weekly calendar on top of school. And I realized that as I was, it just wasn't going to be possible. And and actually, when Jeff Kroc (laughs) interviewed me, because he already asked me, but he interviewed me later. And I told him, like, as he was telling me the commitment, stop. Like, Jeff, stop. I don't know if I can hear all these things. Like, it's too much. But if you just, like, let me in. I'll figure it out as we go along. But if you keep telling me right now, you're basically going to scare me off. Like I know (laughs) that it's going to be too much. And the only way it would work is if God was real and if God was for me. And God was real and he was for me. Because not only did I just survive household, but I thrived. And then giving myself away and then committing, that's where I found life. And it was in that first semester, my fall semester of junior year of household that I started praying. And I saw other leaders in the house, the missionaries and students, every morning they would take their holy hour and I was like, man, these guys are committed and I want to do that. And for the first time, my scripture, my favorite scripture came to life, John ten ten, And the latter half goes, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Or another translation says, have it abundantly. I didn't need to sail around the world on a luxury cruise ship. I didn't need to sail around the world, sweet Life is Zach and Cody style, to live life to the full. I was living it right there in household.
1: So it's possible that life can be fuller in that household than a semester at sea. Is that what you're implying? yes. For real?
2: Mm. Yes. Truthfully. The community that I learned how to build on Semester at Sea was what I had in household. Because on Semester at Sea, it's not just kind of open dining halls. There are set times. And so you eat with your friends, similar to household. We have a set dinner time. We have to be at the table at this time. It's not just always open like you would find at a regular university. So. Like a dining hall. Yes, exactly. There's like Mm -hmm. set hour slots. And so you would go with your friends and and share meals there. There's no technology, just like there's nobody checking their phones or there's no TV on the ship. The technology, the the Wi-Fi. Sure, we have Wi-Fi in the house, but all of these things were teeing me up. It was actually semester at sea that was the perfect transition that God placed that ship Hmm. in my way. Because if I had done a different study abroad, like just going to Italy, which would have been wonderful, I would have had all my regular things. But having these distracted free dinners taught me how to, have a conversation without checking my phone. Our conversations weren't about the trends of the world. They were about real deep things and we bonded. And then I did that at Arizona State to a deeper level.
1: What does the word commitment mean to you today that it didn't mean, like what, what kind of relationship did you have with that word, that concept before household?
2: Great question. Commitment meant that that was something that I said yes to one time. It was a commitment. It was on my calendar, but it didn't mean that I was going to say yes to it every single time. I think it's Chris Christensen, professor at Harvard, that says it's easier to go all in 100 percent, excuse me, to a commitment than to go 99 percent because there's still that one percent left in you that has to like still decide that hasn't decided. And you Mm -hmm. still have to make that little decision every time. But when you go all in 100%, now commitment means I'm going to say yes to this one time. I understand the full scope of what I'm committing to. Here's the time frame. Here is what I'm going to do. And I'm in for every single time.
1: Like pre-deciding.
2: Yeah. Like nothing is going to come up unless it's, you know, an there are right reasons. But now you are going to plan everything else around that. That is not going to move unless something great like serious comes mm-hmm. up or you have a fever and you're going to get somebody sick. No school, no work, all that off the table.
1: What do you think God has taught you through commitment that he might not have taught you otherwise?
2: Mm. That is awesome. An awesome question. Everything that I did my freshman and sophomore year at ASU, I like always, it was in the spirit of control, basically. I didn't want to commit to a woman, I didn't want to commit to the fraternity in a, in a way. And I always say the fraternity is the reason this and that. Like I was just as broken. I was the one that was also not held accountable. I was the one that also missed my chores and, and didn't go to the philanthropy and didn't support this or didn't buy that T-shirt for the sorority, all of it. But in committing, he taught me that like he is committed. God, is, if he never changes his love for us based on what we do, like, he's not scandalized by our sin. Like, if you were to share something deep with me, i kind of look at you a little bit different. Even if I'm not trying to, I'd be like, sure. oh, Ryan did that. That's real. Like God and priests also try to, The before they grow in holiness, the more they're less scandalized by sin. Weird thing there. So I realized that God sees me and is committed to me. And so if I can commit to things, that I grow closer to God because I'm more like God. We're called to imitate mm-hmm. Christ. And Jesus was committed to his disciples and I realized that if he was going to make a commitment, like he wouldn't back out of it. You got to be a man of your word. And that's what making a commitment is. And it's, that's why I don't kind of go around on campus. And it's so tempting when you see so many students and you know, so many students and you have such an influence and you say, Oh, I'll hang, we'll hang later. I'll see you later. Or, uh, yeah, let's talk soon. Let's go out soon. All those like little things. Like you actually got to recognize what you're saying. You're, you're making all those little promises. And so if I'm going to say something like that, I'm going to pull the person over here and put it on the calendar and say, okay, we're going to, let's do something soon. Well, you know, what does that mean? It's can be frustrating. It doesn't honor them well if you just keep saying stuff like that and then don't because they remember that.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think that's surprising to students like to have that intentionality when you're like, yeah, because I think it can be so easy just to throw on like, oh, see you later. Like, does that surprise them?
2: Absolutely. It's surprising and refreshing. And it loves them so well, and they're not used to that. And then when they say it back to you, and then you go over, and they're like, "Hey, well, we'll hang soon. We'll, we'll talk soon. Oh, let's plan it right now." Let's go. And then you really see where they're where they're at with that. Yeah. I love doing that. That's yes, cool. it's amazing.
1: Where in your life right now do you struggle to trust God? Because you made some commitments, <laughs> you're in.
2: I'm in. I'm all in,
1: but you're still here. You're not. You're not Saint Johnny yet up in heaven. So there's still some work to do, right?
2: Right. Thank God. Yeah. Um, thank God. Right. Thank God. Still but here.
1: Like where? Where's the struggle? I hear the power of commitment, and it, it sounds like that's had a transformative effect in your life.
2: Yeah. It's so easy, Ryan, to look back and to see all the good that the Lord has done for me, and then to remember, just like in the Old Testament, when they put when they crossed um, the Jordan River and the Lord parted the rushing river. And so to remember, they each took a rock for the 12 tribes of Israel and they put it on a mantle, a place where they could all see it, to just remember like a physical representation. That's so powerful. And that's why I journal every single day and journal while I'm praying. And when the Lord does something, I'm going to write that down. So when I forget or when I'm in desolation, stuff like that, I can go back and I can look at it. So it's easy for me to look back and see a lot of fruit, but where I kind of struggle to trust in God, where my relationship is hard is now in the future because I doubt that God's so good that he's going to continue doing great things. And so I often instead of reflecting on the past and kind of dwelling on the future and thinking what does God have next for me for, for vocation? Um I think I want to be married. It's like, God, I have like the girl lined up. I'm single for a season because um, it's my first year as, as a missionary. And so mm-hmm. I'm being super intentional with my time and focusing all on students without any distractions. And that has had so much fruit. That's a great decision. I'm, I'm proud of that decision. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great thing that SPO does. But like when, when is, what if someone walks into my life that's just levels me, right? The bombshell. And I'm like, no, like I'm <laughs> in the middle of this, yeah, like all that stuff. That's what um, the struggle is custody of eyes like on campus. Um, it's difficult even for a missionary, for a priest, for anybody. And so um, I need to be better and be quick to pray for them and not to, to lust and to do other things. Uh, but yeah, mainly centered around the future because I don't have a journal. I can't look back or look ahead. <laughs> you you can't see I your future journal. future journal. I see my future journal. Talk to your future self. <laughs> if there was like a mode where God could ask me a question, do you want to see the rest of your life played out? you want me to fill out the rest of your journals and then you could go like read them. I would say like, yes, 100% and like scour through them and spend all day and all night like reading through. And that's a disorder. That's not good. That's not how it should be. I need to be free. And that shows that I'm not present. And the present is a present. Uh, Sometimes I'm not present.
1: Can you tell us about something you wrote in the last few days in your journal?
2: Yeah. Dear Lord... I hate fasting. Why do you make me fast? I am hungry. Can I please eat and drink? (laughs) I want food. No, No, seriously? Is that in there or are you just messing? I'm not messing at all, Ryan. Uh, I struggle with (laughs) fasting. Mm. And uh, it was in there because it was Ash Wednesday and then Friday we uh, do, do no meat. And one of the things on top of this from one of my Lenten commitments already was once a week to do a breakfast or a lunch and then pop that out. Because I realized that my day was just so centered around like food, and I needed to have, and of course, you know, I'm like well fed and I'm 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 healthy, but I just get so quick to like anger, and I I get distracted, and I can't think straight, and it's like Jesus went forty days and and forty nights, and and then was tempted by the devil, (laughs) and then was tempted, and so I realized that I was not I was fasting well, and I was not like. Sometimes, you know, not showing it and, and being good there, but I would forget to like offer it up. I would forget why I'm doing it. And so when a hunger growl would come, I wouldn't think about Jesus and like why I'm doing this. I'd just be like, oh my gosh, when is this over? And so I'm looking forward to more fasting this Lent to get better at that. But that's an area where I was I was struggling. Even this morning, we were low on eggs. I had to go to Brugger's and get a bagel before this, or else I'd be I'd be done already. <laughs> I dab out.
0: Well, if you had one piece of advice that you could give to a student or a young adult who's like just getting started or even maybe deep into their faith, like what would you say to them?
2: That's a great question. I would say, lean so far on God that if he was not there, you would fall. That's what I would say.
0: What do you mean by that?
2: I think that we get comfortable and we want to have control over how much like we're trusting in God. Can I really give this to him or, or that thing? But what I've found is that when I really do like a trust fall and I lean so far over on him, that if he wasn't there, I would fall. And then I realize that I'm still standing. Yeah. That I have not fallen then all the doubts of, of God's not real or he doesn't love me, he's not for me, they go away. And I realize he is so good mm-hmm. because if, I mean, you see priests, you see religious. I just went to Tijuana with the Missionaries of Charity and you see all these examples. Like, look at all these signs. They are leaning so far on God all the time, especially people mm-hmm. in the consecrated religious that if he's not real, then they, they should be face planning every single day. People should be really struggling. And when you meet those Men and women, they're like the most joyous people that you meet, right? It makes no sense. They're not doing it by their own grit. If i learn learned anything from my own sins, I can't do it. So it's amazing. That's what I mean. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a real challenge. It's good.
2: And I also say one last thing. Really think about and like respect priests. I don't know if that makes sense. And like religious. You know? Mm-hmm. Wherever you can, give more respect to them. Yeah. Um, when I talk to brother Logan, don't say like bro or or, I don't know. I I just hate doing that. I'd rather say like brother Logan and just say the whole thing because they like deserve that, you know, what they've done. Mm -hmm. Think about how big of a commitment they're making to God. Mm -hmm. And if that can help you with taking the next step in your faith journey, look at the ones for decades that they've been making.
0: Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing today. We're just going to, wrap up with some rapid fire hot seat questions. So, goal is quick. Rapid fire. Just gonna go. All right. Here we go. So, if you could text anybody, but they wouldn't know it's you, who would you text and what would you say?
2: I would text Michael Jordan, and I would say my dad says hi.
1: Nice. (laughs) What are you scared of?
2: I am scared of my own insecurities. I am scared of People thinking that I am scared of anything.
1: Mm. Meta.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What is a creative talent that you have?
2: I love to draw and I'm pretty good at drawing.
1: What is your top memory, favorite memory from the last year?
2: Ooh, siesta key for two days after SPO's Ascend conference (laughs) in Florida. One of the best memories of the past five years.
0: That's awesome. Your biggest non-regret. What does that mean? So, like, you are very... Like, maybe it's, like, a little crazy little out there, but, like, you're so happy that you did it.
2: (laughs) I guess... Say that. Bungee jumping. Very freeing.
1: Do you have any hobbies? Yes. Give us a weird one.
2: A weird one. I used to paint and collect and play with Warhammer 40K. Which is something that Nathan Metzinger would know about. He's big into board games. But you basically create the whole game, and you like paint these pieces, and it's like Risk, but with scarier type pieces, played on a massive board. Like it filled this whole room.
1: That's not nerdy.
2: Whoa. Yeah. It's a big board. Not at
1: all? No. So manly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and you carry on these huge, yeah, baskets. I did. I started it when I broke my leg. My parents, God bless them, they they spent money on that game. Huge
1: <laughs> baskets. Of yeah, little I'm figurines. Down. Yes. Smeary <laughs> ones. Yeah. Oh, shudder to think.
0: All painted.
2: One of the teams was the Necrons. Very intimidating.
1: Well, uh, I don't know what any of that means, <laughs> but that's awesome. <laughs> Um I, for the Necrons. Yeah. <laughs> this just sounds very scary, very intimidating, but also fun and cute maybe because you can put them in a basket.
0: I'll have to Google that later see what it looks
1: like. <laughs> a lot of things to Google. <laughs> um, that was hard to not ask so many follow-up mm-hmm. questions. Yeah. So I'm going to that. Might
0: have to after this all ends.
1: <laughs> Johnny, you're awesome, dude. Thanks so much for, for joining us on All My Life. SPO's brand new podcast, Deep Dives yeah. into Lifelong Discipleship. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Um, thanks mm-hmm. for going there. Thanks for sharing your story. Um, folks can check out the podcast on YouTube, mm-hmm. all the podcast places, uh, rate, review, hit follow. Subscribe. subscribe. Give us five stars. All of the stars. We'll see you next time.